Hi, I'm Jacqueline Kinser, and for the past five years, I've been helping families all around the globe to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. And this is the first non-clinical breastfeeding podcast that shows you how to rock breastfeeding and master motherhood through practical tips, mindset shifts, and honest conversation to create a confident and empowering breastfeeding journey. This is the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. Welcome back to the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Kinser, and today I have Stephanie King with us. She's a mama to three boys, all born very differently, plus a bonus girl. And she's a professional childbirth educator, doula, and host of the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast and creator of the online course, My Essential Birth. She is passionate about empowering women through knowledge to trust in their bodies and the process of birth. When she's not doing birth work, you can find her homeschooling, serving in her church calling, indulging in good food and company, and spending time in the sun with her kids. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to talk to you because birth and breastfeeding and postpartum and all those things are so related. It really falls under this umbrella term of birth work. And you have such great experience and passion about all of those things. So I'm excited to dive into it and chat about birth with you. Yeah, me too. I know when we jumped on even before it's like, that's kind of the joke, right? Like you get two birth nerds together and you can just talk for hours about all the right things. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. I feel like really before I became a lactation consultant, I got passionate about that form of birth work because I was pretty connected to my birth community, lots of midwives and doulas. And while I wasn't super interested in going through the pregnancy and birth process again, that soon after having one child, uh, they taught me a lot about the postpartum process and how connected it really is. And I would say I'm really grateful to them because they got me started and inspired to go on this journey to become a lactation consultant. So I'd love to hear how you got your start getting into this work. And I kind of love my own story because I am so passionate about it. And it has brought me to do what I get to do today, which is serve other women who are going through that same process. And I know that I looked a lot to women who had been there prior to me. And so I think it's such a beautiful thing that we both get to do where we've been through this process and we're like, Hey, we're a little farther on the journey and it's going to be okay. And follow me, (laughs) you know, (laughs) my first birth was an unnecessary cesarean. At the time I kind of assumed it was unnecessary, but I, I couldn't claim why. And so when I was pregnant with my second baby and I took really great birth classes, I realized why. And there were a couple of red flags that came up. There were some things, some knowledge and informed consent and issues that way that I was unable to to take care of because I didn't have that knowledge with me. Uh, So with my second, I actually, we were overseas and the birth course that I wanted to take was there was one teacher and she was moving. They were PCSing because it was military. They were leaving the country and I wasn't pregnant. So I like begged her. I was like, please let me take your birth course before you leave. And so I actually took a birth course with my second baby before I was pregnant. We got pregnant during that time. And then I had that baby. It was my very first VBAC or vaginal birth after cesarean, but I didn't have them unmedicated. Medicated. I had it with a, with an epidural, which was fine, but my goal was always unmedicated. So come my third baby and that baby ended up being born at home. It was not my first choice when we were trying to decide what to do, but because we ourselves were moving from overseas back to the United States there was one hospital in the area that we were going to be at. And they were like, Oh, we don't do VBACs here. Like you've had a cesarean before plan for another one. And so I was like, no, like I've worked too hard. So I found a home birth midwife. And this time I had a doula and that changed my life. Um, I gave birth to my baby at home, completely supported. Nobody telling me I was laboring too long, which I absolutely would have for a hospital birth. You know, nobody telling me I was pushing too long, which I absolutely would have for a hospital birth. And I had a really neat spiritual experience during that, which I share as much as I can. But anyways, I was pushing. It had been about four hours of pushing. 
And my baby, I, I was scared. Like I, like it was those pushes where you're like, mm, and you're kind of like breathing <laughs> through your nose. You're not giving that full push. Cause you're like, Oh, that's a little uncomfortable. I don't know that I can do this. Yeah. And my husband came downstairs. I told him like, go make the bed. Like I need to get out of the water. I was in the birth tub. I'm like, go make the bed. Like this just needs to happen. So he goes and makes up the bed and comes back downstairs. And, and while he was making the bed, I had this desperate prayer and I was like, please heavenly father, I can't do this on my own. And I'm scared. Like, please help me. And when my husband came back down, he, he was like, okay, I'm going to grab you and help you out of the water. And I'm like, no, it's happening. And sure enough, that baby was born two pushes later. And it was the most incredible experience of my life, hands down. And so that's what I was like, you know, all the odds were against me, everybody along the way, all these people that told me I wasn't going to be able to do this, dang it. And I did it. And I was like, if I can do this, anybody can do this. And so it was shortly after that, that I started teaching birth classes and it spiraled into what it is today with an online birth course and a podcast and any way I can reach women. So that was a really long story to get to the, how I got into what I do today. I, I feel like I'm used to listening to long birth stories whenever I'm working <laughs> with clients. So to me, that was actually kind of short, but so powerful, you know, and, and I think that your story is not uncommon, especially how it started out. Right. And yeah, it's, it, there's all this involved thinking, especially for first time moms afterwards, unpacking the birth, no matter how it went, maybe it went great. Maybe it didn't, you know, maybe there were unnecessary interventions like you had mentioned. And either way, I I mean, my daughter's birth was at home and it was wonderful. It was everything I had wanted. And then some, and I still had to unpack that, right. It's a lot to process, um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of the things physically, you've got to heal from it no matter what. So yeah, there's a ton there. And I love that you really took charge of your birth experience and you got to have an incredible birth for your third, which is amazing not to discount the others. And now you're teaching. So I would just love to hear a bit more about, you know, how, how you found the people that you're working with, like listeners of your podcast or people in your course. And what are the things that they're often wanting to learn about birth? Like, why do they come to you? What are they seeking? Because, um, I think sometimes people don't even know where to begin. They don't know what questions yeah. to ask. They know they want to learn, but they're not really sure where to get started. So yeah, I'd love to hear some of those things. Yeah. I think it always amazes me when I have first time moms that find me mm. and they want to know about how to give birth and what their options are. Cause I didn't like, I was like, no, like you give birth with an OB in a hospital and however they tell you to do it. Or in my case, I was like, I'll do it unmedicated. It's fine. <laughs> End of story. Right. <laughs> like, Oh, like I might need to know what contractions feel like and how to work through them and like how the body anyways, there's so much to learn. Um, so yeah, it amazes me when first time moms come when they've got that curiosity and they're searching for podcasts that have anything to do with birth and stuff. But I think, um, what a lot of moms come looking for is knowledge and empowerment. Um, and to add to that, like confidence, kind of that confidence and empowerment that comes through knowledge. And I think, I don't know, I think some of that there's curiosity there and maybe what they don't realize they're looking for is understanding everything on the back end that goes into getting those two things. Right. So like they have in their head, like their idea of what birth should look like for them. And that's what they're interested in. But what I love is the, all the learning that happens along the way. In fact, when the husbands or the birth partners take the birth course, that's like my number one favorite thing is to hear back from them. Cause they're like, Oh, like I didn't, I didn't know that that's so cool. Or I didn't know I could help out this way. You know, I didn't know I could help her with meditation and relaxation and being a hands-on support. Like I get to be part of this process too. So I, yeah, I think that's really what they're coming to me for. Um, and a lot, a lot of curiosity and I love the curiosity. So it's just that like repetition, right. And understanding understanding that they're in charge of their birth, probably number one. Right. And how do we do that? Like you have to make sure that you've got a provider that, you know, like trust and that, you know, what you want for your birth so that you can have those conversations. Because if all you've got is an idea of birth in your head, that looks really pretty. um, And you pick the first provider on your list, or in my case, the one that was at the hospital near the beach, you know, then (laughs) you might not get what you want. (laughs) There's a little more, more thought to that. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
The heart behind the iMom podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on iMom.com and when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. Yeah, yeah. Choosing the provider is is like that huge first step. And there's a lot of things that need to come beforehand and the decisions you're making and the choices that you want for yourself. So, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about what what people are going through and, and the partner support, because to me, that's so paralleled with breastfeeding. I often yeah. get to do appointments where the partner's involved and they love playing a hands-on role. You know, um, I feel so sad a lot of the times when I see moms feel like they have to do this all on their own. Like, yes, your body is the one giving birth or making milk, but that doesn't mean that someone else can't be a part of that and help out. And uh, one of the things I'm super passionate about, obviously, is uh, like you mentioned, people choosing a provider for birth, like that's sort of a given, right? I mean, there's definitely people that, you know, want a free birth, but that's the minority. So people <laughs> are intentionally choosing a provider and being very selective, hopefully, right, about um, birth. When it comes to postpartum and breastfeeding, I don't hear a lot of conversation about having a provider lined up for you afterwards. And I think that's why we see so many struggles. And it's not to say that you can't do this on your own because absolutely, just like birth, you can for sure do this on your own. Do most people feel more confident and, and assured and like to have someone there to, to help them and, and coach them and recognize problems before maybe they're able to? Absolutely, yes. Why would we not want that postpartum? Which kind of leads me to the conversation that I think is really worth having, which is, you know, how your birth goes is often a great indicator of how your postpartum will go. And you're such an expert and, and so much experience personal and otherwise with birth. I would love to dive into that and just have you talk about birth and, and even planning for the birth and all of that and how that impacts the postpartum and breastfeeding. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, um, when, women are looking at birth courses and this can be, this is kind of why I got into creating what I created today. I used to teach a separate birth course and I taught it in my home and it was a very unmedicated, you know, natural, all of that kind of stuff, birth course. And one of the problems that I had was the moms that it didn't go that way for them. They ended up choosing or getting a cesarean or needing, um, or choosing, I meant an epidural, not choosing a cesarean, choosing or getting an epidural, ending up with a cesarean birth, something that was not on their plan at all. Um, those women didn't even necessarily want to come to the like postpartum, everybody's had their baby. Okay. Let's like come and tell birth stories, or if they did came, you could feel like they felt shame. And there's a, a, I don't know, there's a couple of things in there, but I absolutely, those women, you look at them and like how they felt postpartum, how they connected with other people, even like eyes and body language and all of that, or with their babies or with their partner versus those who like had this great experience. And they were like, so excited to share it with the world. Absolutely. That's going to change all kinds of things, um, postpartum. But the big thing about that, as I was mentioning is it's not all about having an unmedicated birth. That's not what's going to make a birth good or bad or, or whatever. And so I think it's really important that as women are choosing their birth paths or like, we kind of have them create a birth map, right? Like not a plan, like plans are great, but it's probably going to change. Like something on that plan isn't going to go like anything we do in life. And so it's kind of like, we have this end destination that we're definitely going to get to, which is we're going to have a baby, <laughs> you know? but there is, there's a yes. lot of like, it will come out eventually, right? Eventually. Like, even if you don't believe that, even if you're past your due date, yes, this baby will leave your body at some point. Yes. Um, and so I'm like, there's a lot of things that can go into that as we're talking about it. The other thing that I enjoy though, is when women do take the course or we're talking about birth and like, say that they are planning for a medicated experience, which is great. Like, there's time and place for an epidural. And if that's what you choose to do, I'm going to tell you how to make it so good and less intervention and all that stuff. Right. But along the way, a lot of women start to realize, but if I don't want the epidural, I can 
do it without. And that's mm. huge because there are other things that come along with an epidural. For example, um, there's medication that mom's going to get, right? So we know that an epidural numbs you like from the waist down or like from the belly down. And then and along with that, like you have to have an IV and there's probably going to be some Pitocin involved because once you kind of numb things and the contractions stop, so you have to recreate contractions. Um, and it can prolong the process and mom, maybe not like being in a good position or having to move one way or the other. It can, and just like the whole thing is stress for mom, stress for baby. And so if you can either shorten that amount of time or as moms see, like, actually, I think I'm strong enough to give birth without an epidural. And that's, I would like to try that first, then that can create, you know, some different things for the, for the birth itself, as well as postpartum. And then the other part, like you talked about is involving the partner. Like if that you guys made this baby together. Like there's so much work that goes into that, you know, communication and love and sexy things and, and all of that, that goes into it, that should transfer into that birth process. If done right, birth is a very bonding experience, but I've also been a doula where dads are in the corner on the phone, you know, scrolling away or talking to family or checking the game or taking a nap and mom's getting support from me, but there's no connection. And, um, so if we can work on that prior, like, okay, dad, you know, what is it that she, like when she's feeling really stressed out or when she's feeling, um, a lot of pain, like what comforts her and having them discuss that and working together on meditation and relaxation, like little things that seem so silly prior, but then when it's go time and dad's got his hands on tools, cause guys are fixers naturally. Like they want to be able to jump in and help and support and love when, when you do that, then you've got this like bonding experience. And that has nothing to do with if mom has an epidural or whatever else, like you guys are in this together. And we absolutely see the transfer of that postpartum and to how all everything that happens postpartum, right? Like some moms don't even know, for example, I would hope if they're listening to your podcast, they do, but like some moms don't know that right after you give birth to your baby, you can have them immediately skin to skin. Like, oh, that's an option. Like my doctor said he doesn't do that. Well, that's nice, but it's your baby. <laughs> so <laughs> your doctor doesn't so, do that. Either find another doctor or let that doctor know you will be doing that, you know? So yes. yeah, uh, but the, it's true that, you know, if we utilize things like epidural, if, if Pitocin is involved, that can affect because they are messing with home hormones and things like that. It can affect the experience itself because sometimes maybe we're choosing epidural and it wasn't on the list, but we don't, we weren't prepared for that. So then mentally and emotionally we're feeling like, Oh, I failed or, Oh, I didn't do well. Like that's not something good to bring into postpartum, but then too, you've got like the physical effects of it. So like Pitocin is an artificial form of oxytocin, which is the love hormone, the bonding hormone. It also creates contractions. And so if we're, if we're using other, if we're using synthetic forms of that, then it actually, like there's studies that show it can, it decreases bonding postpartum. Um, and it can, it absolutely has an effect on breastfeeding and the longer used during labor versus just like the third stage and third stage, um, meaning after you give birth and we're working on the birth of the placenta, a lot of times, even if you haven't had any medication, Pitocin is given so that they're like, Oh, we want to make sure that that uterus is really tight and contracts down and expels the placenta. So we don't have postpartum hemorrhage, but a lot of times the body will do that on its own and not need that help. And then we've interfered in a way that is not physiological norm. And that can mess with breastfeeding too, or affect breastfeeding in one way or another and, and bonding in general, not just breastfeeding, but that's part of it. So, yeah, I think those decisions that we make, like having the knowledge prior that of how these things work makes a huge difference, um, for how we feel about the birth after and our role in it, because, and I, you've probably heard this before, maybe even said it before, but like, truly it's how we're made to feel afterwards. Like that's what we remember as women after we give birth It's we don't look back and we're like the contractions were this far apart for this, but we don't analyze it like that. We are like, I felt so loved and supported and I knew I could do it. Or that doctor really didn't pay attention to what I was saying. And I didn't want to do that. And this didn't go this way because like, there's two sides of this and it all comes down to like how we were made to feel and, and those relationships that happened along the way. And that all affects our postpartum and how we're going to handle life as a mom, as, you know, as a new mom born ourselves. Right. So yeah, oh, I think that's yes. just all part of it. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Everything you've said is, is so, so much like wisdom and, you know, I just, wow. I, I think it also comes down to that partner support, right? If, because it has a lot to do with how you're made to feel. If you have a partner yeah. who's been involved with the preparation for the birth and is active with you during that labor process and birthing process, 
and they see the incredible capability of your body, no matter how that birth went, (laughs) they're usually in awe of you. And like, wow, you know, and, and now they've gotten intimate with your body in new ways. And, uh, they're prepared for all the things that'll happen postpartum too. Right. It's kind of like, once you see your child's head come out of your (laughs) partner's body, whether it's through the belly or the vaginal canal, that, you know, kind of that's, that's it. Right. So, um, a bloody scabbed nipple or whatever (laughs) is not as scary and they're not like, Oh my goodness, what's happening to your body. Uh, yeah, no, they, they get it now. They totally get it now. And I didn't so, think of yeah. it like that, but that's so, that's such a perfect, like, here's your introduction. So you need to be chill about what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, that. come on, you know, you're like, you, 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 you poop yourself while you're pushing that baby out. Like <laughs> maybe the nurse gets in there and wipes it away really quick or the doula or the midwife, but I saw a post, I think it was yesterday on Instagram. And it said something about like, everybody poops during labor. And if you think you didn't, you have a really good nurse to think. <laughs> that's so perfect. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. That's awesome. But yeah, wild, wild things are happening to our bodies. And then ta-da, there's a new life in front of you. How cool is that? Right. So I love what you said too, about just not there's interventions and they have a time and a place or, or you choose them and, you know, there's some feelings you'll have to process around that, right. Either way. And, you know, those can affect physiological things. I think the important thing to know is that if you understand how those things affect your body and your baby's body ahead of time, then even though it can negatively affect things after the birth, it doesn't mean that those, it now completely derails everything though. Like you said, um, if you're prepared for what could happen during birth and you understand what Pitocin can do and and how it affects that process and all of that, then when you go into it, you know, okay, this is what to expect. And you're not, you know, suddenly surprised and, and like, Whoa, I didn't realize that was going to, you know, speed up contractions to the point and they're so painful. And now I need an epidural. Like you're prepared because you got information from Stephanie, but, (laughs) (laughs) and if so, if you know how those things affect birth and the postpartum, then you're prepared and you can handle it. And and that's really, honestly, I feel like it's like 80% of the work, right? I mean, you Mm -hmm. have maybe more, I don't know, but, (laughs) but if you know what to expect, which is huge and it's really just informed consent, Right. So yeah. like, maybe you could define that. What does informed consent mean to you? And when you're teaching people about this? Yeah, that's my soapbox. I love informed <laughs> consent. It's my big thing. And I actually saw on a, on a midwife's Facebook group recently, where she talked about informed choice, um, kind of like redefining it, like mm. in, in stop saying consent, which I'm like, I under I see both sides. Like at some point you do have, you're still, you have to consent, um, but that it gets to be your choice. And so informed consent means that there are different options provided to you and you get to decide yes or no on them with having all of the benefits and risks available to you at the time of consent or at the time of making that decision. So in a nutshell, that's really what that looks like and kind of how you had talked about. And it's why I'm so big on education, because this is what made the difference for me, you know, with that first baby, when I came into to the hospital, I had a little trickle of amniotic fluid. It started happening in the middle of the night. Um, of course I called the hospital and I was excited. They're like, feel your belly. Does it feel like you're having any contractions? Okay. Make sure you come in. I come in, they test it. Yes. And I wasn't having contractions. Like they were, they were like so mild. I had to be stopped and like pushing on my belly to be able to tell, you know? And so the nurse comes back and she's like, your doctor says you need Pitocin. And I said, did he use the word need? I didn't know much about anything at that point, but I I remember asking that very clearly. Did he use the word need? And she goes, well, let me go ask him and I'll come back. She comes back. Yes. He says, you need Pitocin. And I said, oh, okay. And at that time I thought, oh, I must need Pitocin. And what happened with that baby is when I had the Pitocin, they couldn't crank it up high enough to have the contractions be strong enough to be able to dilate my cervix and have a baby because my baby wasn't handling the Pitocin well. Well, that wasn't, nobody told me that my baby might not handle the Pitocin well. That's not informed consent. And so I ended up with a cesarean birth because I had a baby who was under distress at that point and there was nothing we could do. It was too far into what we had done. And so that is, 
that's where it comes back to having the knowledge. And a lot of times, even if they're trying to give you all the information during labor, imagine being in a position where you're working really hard, you're really having to focus on something. And I mean, eyes closed, um, lots of energy, having to breathe through something and someone's trying to give you all of the good and bad and whatever else and expect you to make an educated decision in that moment. That's not even fair to a laboring mom. It's why they have you sign epidural paperwork on your way into the hospital before you're in hard labor. They want you to sign it when you're a little more clear headed and in advance, which I have my own issues about. But the point being, if you're being asked to make big decisions during labor and you don't understand what that could mean for you prior, it's really going to be a hard thing to do. So if you have the knowledge of these are the situations that can happen during birth, for example, so we have like this, we call it our birth plan priority game within the birth course. And I'm like, okay, you're going to set up, cut out these things. You're going to set out your perfect birth. Maybe that's no IV freedom of movement. I'm wearing my own clothes. I can eat during labor, no episiotomy, no IV, whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, now your birth gets going. And for one reason or another, you have to flip a couple of these decisions and I want you to flip over three or however many you're like, Oh, okay. Like not that big of a deal. All right. I guess I don't need to use the shower. You know, I guess I don't have to walk around here. I guess I'll take the IV. I don't have, or I have to, you know, my own clothes or whatever. Well, I do that two more times. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well now flip these around and out. And by the end they're like, Ooh, like, I'm like, how do you feel about that birth? And they're like, a lot of times it's, I don't feel that good about it. I said, and it's like, okay, but what if every time you had to make a decision, every time you had to flip a card, every time in birth that you had a choice, somebody asked you and you made the decision that this is the choice that I'm making. How do you feel about that birth then? And it's a big difference because if we are involved in the process, if we're involved and in charge of our birth throughout the labor process, then how we feel about it in the end is going to be different than a birth that was done to us because we weren't educated on those decisions. And that makes a huge difference. That's why people hire doulas, right? That's why they have a third party in there that can say, here's what just happened. Here's what the nurse recommended, because that's really what she's doing. If it's a real emergency and there's something happening right now, it's going to be a code, whatever. And you're going to have five people in your room before you know it. You're not going to have time to say anything. Otherwise, this is what the nurse just said. Here's what, what your options are regarding what she just said. What do you want to do? And just having that little like angel on your shoulder, voice of reason can make the difference between a birth that you love and a birth that you feel sad about. So Mm. informed consent is huge. It is. And it's, it's everywhere in life. If you've never, if you've never gotten used to this or haven't used this skill or developed that it's never too late. So it doesn't matter. I mean, I even think of like, you know, just my grandparents, um, all four of them, you know, end of life in the hospital with whatever's going on. Right. And, you know, the, the doctor will say, well, here's what I'm recommending. And you're like, okay, great. So what would happen if we don't do that? That's the immediate next question, right? Like what, what are both sides of the coin here? Yes. Your doctor, I, I trust that you are making some sort of medically sound recommendation. Okay. Tell me more about that. And then what would happen if we don't do that? Or what are our other options? And these are just questions you can ask, you know, to your baby's pediatrician, once they're born to, you know, your, your mother's doctor, when you're taking care of her in her old age, right. All of these things, um, you know, to your next well check that you're doing and whoever, whoever it is, you know, and it's a valuable, really valuable skill. I can always tell the families that I've worked with that are like, they took a really solid birth class or, or they've been through this and they've decided like that they're going to go down this path. And so I'll make some sort of, you know, recommendation about breastfeeding and they'll say, okay, great. What would happen if I don't do that? (laughs) And it's not that they don't believe me, right? It's not that they're like being resistant to my advice. I never take it that way because I don't have an ego about it. I'm like, no, that's a really good question. Here's why I'm recommending that. It gives me an opportunity to explore. Some people want the explanation. Some don't. Some are like, just, just tell me what to do. I'm done. I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay too. Like, if you know that about you, you're like, just, just give me the stuff. Give me the drugs. Just get the baby out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Right. I think we all have like that moment in birth and then like it can pass, but, um, but yeah, I think it's so important. These are critical life skills. Like what people can learn through pregnancy about pregnancy and birth and postpartum, these will serve you through your entire life. Right. Um, well, and there's nothing like that'll bring it on, like having to make decisions for your unborn child. Like if you don't have the balls to do it for yourself, you will for your kids you will go to bat for your kids, like nothing else. And that is just like you said, like it's going to go into the so rest true. of their pediatric life and all of that. So birth will do it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it will. You'll, you'll get fired up enough to, yeah. to want to, to, to take care of things, right. To be the mama bear. Um, I, I find that just so fascinating because what you said about birth, it's like, so, you know, these things can happen. Right. And it doesn't mean I think with birth, we have that knowing of like the, the child will re- be born regardless, hopefully healthy and, and safe and alive. Right. And so that's the end goal with breastfeeding. The end goal is a little less clear for most people, I would say, because, you know, you don't have to breastfeed to make sure that this child is healthy and safe and alive. So right. it becomes a little more fuzzy. And that's not to say that, you know, we, we should put breastfeeding on the same pedestal as, as birth. Um, but they're so closely entwined and so closely related. And so a lot of people's backup plan when, you know, the first thing goes wrong with breastfeeding is, oh, well, I guess I just got to get formula now. And it's like, well, right. maybe we should be creating a breastfeeding plan or a map as you like to call it. So how do you, when you're working with people, you're obviously helping them prepare for the process of birth and all of that. What happens when you're having that conversation or teaching with them about the postpartum and breastfeeding? Oh, that is, that is a good question. So part of when they're creating their map does include postpartum. And so that's going to be at least for the birth plan part, that's just going to be the immediate postpartum. What happens, you know, directly after baby is born, which as you talked about is absolutely going to create some of that positive stuff for bonding. And if they're choosing to breastfeed, then some of those first things that are going to make that successful. So that can be like things that have to do with baby, right? Do you want immediate cord clamping? Um, immediate skin to skin. Do you want to have the baby at your breast? Do you want all the checkups? Do you on, on your chest? Do you want to have that hour of that golden hour that we talk about all that kind of thing? The other thing that we really try to encourage moms to prepare for, and this is we're in the works right now, creating a postpartum course, because we do really well at preparing moms for birth. And then we, you know, it's a separate conversation to like, okay, I have my baby at home. Now what? Um, (laughs) but yeah, that postpartum is like, it's not, it's for baby and it's also for mom. How are you preparing yourself? What does that look like for you? And just like we have, so with moms, when I'm helping them prepare their, you know, how are we going to get from point A to point B with birth? It's like, I want you to pause for a moment and envision what your perfect birth looks like to you. Who's in the room? Where are you? What's the feeling? Are the lights dim? Like get as as deep and as detailed as you can. And then we work back with the like, okay, so that means you want this and this and this and this. How does that sound? And that means you need to find a provider that's going to support these things. And you're going to have to ask these questions, right? I would have to say it's the same with postpartum. You know, one of the first things you mentioned, the pediatrician, you know, a lot of moms don't know, like if you don't pick your pediatrician before you get to the hospital to have a baby, then you're going to get whichever pediatrician is there. Um, it's the same with a lactation consultant or an IBCLC, you know, you'll get who's on the floor, which they may be great. It might be the right one for you. And they might give you advice that makes it harder for you to breastfeed or feel like you're failing. And so you've got to have somebody kind of in your back pocket that way. Same with like, if you choose to have a postpartum doula or something like that. So I would say that same thing exists kind of envision you're taking your baby home. What does that look like for you? You know, what is that perfect? Are you breastfeeding really well? You know, are you passing some of that time off to dad and he's able to give a bottle? Okay. So that means she might be pumping. Like you got to work through those. Like, what is my vision of taking care of myself and my baby postpartum look like, and then work back from there. You know, who do I need to involve? Who's my backup person? You know, do I have Jacqueline's number and information, (laughs) you know, whatever (laughs) that looks like. And yeah. And then work back and make sure that you've got your people in line. Yeah, it's so important. And and not only just thinking through that for yourself and then hopefully writing it down to really express how you're thinking and feeling and, and your wants and desires, but also communicating that to your partner. Yeah. I definitely hear from a lot of moms that they were just so surprised and feel so completely unsupported by their partner. And now 
I get it because I've also been there, but you know, you can't put all the blame on the partner. Certainly I do think some is valid where it's like, dude, your wife just had a baby. Like, what did you expect was going to happen (laughs) right now? Like she spent nine, 10 months, however long growing this baby in her body. It went through massive changes. She is not going to be the same person when you come home. She's just not. And even if she was, she's now a mom. Right. And so, and you're a dad and you guys have gone through so much. So please don't expect her to be doing certain things or, or not doing certain things. So there's that. And then, you know, but it's also like, well, yeah, if you haven't really thought about, like you have a vision in your head, whether or not you've really articulated it, right. It exists subconsciously. What do you imagine going on at home, sitting on the couch and having someone bring you water and your mom's coming over and making food for you? Like, what is it? Well, you've got to talk to those people about it because (laughs) your vision probably isn't being home alone all day long by yourself with your baby. So Right. All of those things. Right. And, and we do, we do have to take like this sort of radical personal self-responsibility for those things, because we cannot make those assumptions that everyone else is going to know what to do for us. It would be amazing if they did. And you're super blessed if they do, but don't assume, right. Even, even if they're like, oh yeah, I was planning on doing that. Great. Well, that's awesome. Problem solved, right? And if they're like, oh wow, okay, well, well, how am I supposed to fit that in? And how am I supposed to do that? Now you can have a conversation. And there's not going to be these hurt feelings or feeling of being unsupported or, you know, just kind of spiraling, right? And I see that spiraling happen a lot. It takes, you know, one or two sort of negative things, and then all of a sudden it's, oh my goodness, my world's falling apart, which is easy to do with the postpartum hormones. Right. it's not your fault. It's, um, there's a lot going on. No, you hit on it like right on the head though, because, and I've had my husband on the podcast about this before and he, you know, I can say this out loud cause he admits it, but, um, it was the same with birth for us. That preparation wasn't there until the third one. And then it was, and then it was beautiful, but same thing. We didn't have that communication and it's the same postpartum. I was like, Oh my gosh, what just, yes, I had this vision and it didn't exist. So I'm totally there with you, but it's unfair to like, the difference I think for us as moms is we just gave birth to that baby. Like we don't have any other option. We are hyper-focused on making sure that this baby is fed and cared for and loved and protected. And for dads, it's like, um, it's Friday. I got to get back to work on Monday. You know, like they've got a different set of things. Like they're okay. I'm good. You know, even like button my husband and waking him up in the middle of the night. And he's like, like what? Like I got to work. And I'm like, you should be suffering with me. Like you, you know, have you seen that? Like Michael Scott meme where it's just this like death stare. And it's like me staring at my husband asleep at 3am while I'm up with this baby nursing. Like, I'm I'm like, yes, "Yes, that's it. But you're right. Like lack of communication. And that's exactly where it comes from. So if we're not clear, very clear about what we're needing, then we're going to find those gaps. I'd say the other side of that is just like kind of like a five love love languages or like Enneagram kind of thing, like knowing how you need help. So like Enneagram is like a personality test, five love languages are like ways that you give love and show love. Um, So if no one's familiar with that, go check those out. But um, we even did them for birth for like, if this, if you're an Enneagram three, we recommend your partner do this and this and this, like pay attention here. You know, it's the same postpartum. Like maybe your husband's really good at like cooking meals and whatever else, but what you need is quality time. So like sit down with me, hold the baby. So like even that kind of communication. So making sure that you're feeling loved and supported in the way that you need, I think can make a huge difference. Yeah. I love what you said about that communication. And I think too, if, if you know ahead of time, and if you're listening to this and you are in the early postpartum or even later postpartum, our bandwidth for communication as moms can be really low because there's so much going on intensely. Our brains are are changing in massive ways right after giving birth. And you've got this slew of hormones. It can be very difficult to articulate your needs in that moment. And you may even struggle to know what those are because you're thinking of these immediate things, like you just said about, you know, caring for this baby, making sure they're fed, you know, are they breathing? Uh, Like, I mean, we, there's a lot, right. And that takes up so much of our mental energy. And so then a lot of moms feel sort of exhausted by that already. And they go, and now I'm supposed to tell my partner what I need. Well, he should know. (laughs) Yes, yes, he should, but he won't know unless you told him ahead of time. So like definitely do a lot of prep because you're going to be so well set up, not just for the birth that you 
want or a birth that feels empowering to you, right? But also this postpartum experience that's enjoyable for not just you, but your whole family, right? Postpartum to me is this family experience. And I think that's what you do such a good job of teaching people. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So when you, when you see people go through, do you still do the postpartum gathering with your courses and have them come together? They're online now. So all of that happens within the Facebook group. So absolutely. Women come back and share their birth stories with all the photos and all the details and all that. So, I mean, yes, to an extent, but we don't get together in person. Like I love to do. Yeah. Is that is so is that something that like someone who's earlier on in the course and hasn't given birth that do they get to see that and hear from these yeah. women? Oh, that's yeah, so hundred cool. percent. No, that's one of like their favorite things of jumping in early is like, yes, oh, reading all the birth stories and getting excited and having people who have been there before. So if you ask questions, like you're not alone, there's like, oh, and it's so nice too, as a new mom, when you've been through those things to be like, you love supporting and helping other moms that are on their way, you know, just like you and I do what we do. <laughs> it's the same thing. So they, I think there's a lot of joy involved with that too. Yeah, absolutely. I find that, you know, stories of of just learning from other people's experiences, there's so much that gets said sort of between the lines, right? And so, yes, you can read someone's words and you can see their photo or some people even have videos and, and all of this. And that's so cool. But it's like those other things that you pick up on, right? The tone in which they wrote this and, and how they mm. feel about the birth, um, you can tell. And I just think that's so powerful. We need to be sharing these things as women, right? I don't think it's quite enough to just read a book or take a class, right? You've got to have that community with other people who have already been there to some extent or are going through it with you. Yeah. And who have had a positive experience. It's going to be the same with breastfeeding, postpartum, whatever. Um, you know, how often do we get together either for a baby shower or whatever? That's a mom that's coming up to giving birth. And all of a sudden here come the very worst birth stories and everybody's working on topping each other, not realizing mom (laughs) is weeks away from giving birth and taking all of that in. So yeah, I love, I love it. And like, share, share the positive stuff, get it out there. Let them know birth isn't scary and crazy and weird. Like you're not a weirdo for trying to give birth out of a hospital or unmedicated or whatever way you choose to do it, you know, that just, you should be supported all along the way. It's the same with postpartum and breastfeeding. Like you have a mom that's breastfeeding her two and three year old. It doesn't have to be weird. Like it's as weird as you want to make it, you know? And I would hope that other women are stepping in with their positive stories. Like, no, I breastfed the Fred till he was four. Like, it's fine. It's great. This is normal for us. This is what works for us. I think you have to find that community. Just like you said, it I mean, even as adults now, like I, you know, my kids are a little bit older. I have a teenager for Pete's sake. And I'm like, yeah, I got to find my community. You know, I got to find other moms who have been here before we do it the whole way up. And so hopefully it's positive experiences. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right. Just because someone's a mom, I I learned that early on in my parenting journey where I would join these moms groups because they were local or they gave birth around the same time. And it just became very clear that, you know, it's not that you want to put yourself in a bubble and not hear any other different ways of doing things. But Uh, I remember going to a mommy and me yoga class and um, I had tried for a home birth with my son, with my first, and it didn't work out. Ended up in the hospital, but I was pretty well prepped for what could happen and why. And I, you know, felt, felt like I was making some educated choices. So that was great. So I go to this class and I'm the only mom in there breastfeeding her baby. And when I, my son kind of stirred, I felt a little nervous. I hadn't really nursed in public very often yet, but I will never forget. I latched him on. I just sat down on my mat and this mom looked at me and she goes, you probably had a home birth, didn't you? And I was like, wow, like why the snark? And why is this? Like, why would you think that's appropriate to say to anybody? Yeah. And why would you make an assumption? You know, like it just, she just pegged me as this type, right? And it actually really alienated me. It didn't make me want to go to any mom gatherings. I was like, oh, clearly I need to be hanging out with people who have had home births because maybe they'll be nicer to me than you, (laughs) which is how I got kind of in the birth community and, and all of that. Right. So I'm not, I don't regret that, but all it takes is one nasty comment. Like you said, at a baby shower, right. About someone's choices. And you just, 
I think if moms can just know one thing, there will always be somebody out there with a nasty opinion that will judge you, that will say something terrible to you, that will just rock you. I want you to know there are a lot of other moms out there who are not like that, who are ready to accept you, who do things differently than you and embrace you. And you've just got to find that community. And I think that's the thing is that it's not automatic. It's very rarely automatic that you will just be assigned to a loving, welcoming, accepted community this day and age, right? We don't live in multi-generational households a lot of the time. We don't live in smaller communities that are really tight-knit and depend on that for our thriving and survival. We can get by with just being homebodies and going online for everything. So be careful about where you create your community, be intentional about it, I guess is what I would say. And, you know, if there's something that really resonates with you run with it, right? If you, if you go listen to Stephanie's podcast and you're like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I need to prepare for my next birth. Great. Stick with her. Like, you know, let's go find people like that, right? Join the community because then you're going to feel a lot better about your choices. You're going to feel that freedom to make the choices that you want as opposed to bending to someone else's will or judgment. That was so beautifully said. I could not agree with you more. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, also, it's so mom's important. groups are the devil. Like I have a big, <laughs> I have a serious beef with mom's groups. So yes. Yes. Be, be cautious about your mom's groups. <laughs> yes. My mom's group is different. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> that was mine. So was mine. I know. I'm right? just saying, but like general, like, Oh, I'm going to type in my city and a mom's group. Like watch Don't out. Do it. Don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. I ran one of those. Don't do it. It was, oh, I'm sorry. I will tell you that like, <laughs> And I was so, it was so stressful to manage a group, um, like that. And, you know, by, when I left, I, I think we had probably like 3000 members or something. And it's, it's a little bit more than that now. And just, I felt so like you, it's like being a teacher of a kindergarten class as yeah. a moderator, as an admin to come in there and be like, just policing what everybody is saying and how they're saying and how they're interacting. And like, I shouldn't have to do that. You're grown adults. Right. And so finally I was like, I, you know, I don't have time for this. Like I have a practice, like I just cannot devote my energy to this. And so I left and, you know, now that's why, you know, people like you and I have gone and create, created these intentional communities. Again, we're not just trying to create this echo chamber, but we're just trying to go, you know, you are safe here. You are, (laughs) you are welcome. We will not say nasty things to you. And that's really, it's easy to do, but somehow uncommon. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think, and I've said a lot too, like those women that are out there, for example, just the birth stuff that are like talking about how much, oh, you're, you're not, you should get the epidural. You have no idea this and this, and this happened to me. And all I'm hearing the whole time is you have a lot of trauma and you need to be able to process that. So you're trying to say that out loud, um, not realizing exactly, you know? And so I think if we can look at it like, okay, clearly you have some unresolved, I'm going to look over here and kind of, you know, take it, take what you like, leave the rest kind of thing and take it with a grain of salt and a little, a little protective, but we've even come up with like a, you know, I'd love to hear your birth story. If it's going to be positive, <laughs> like you've got to <laughs> have some, you know, yes, please tell me the positive parts of your birth story. Cause I'm coming up to my own and I would like to take the positive and not have the negative. So. Mm, yes. That's such good advice. Right. And, and it's easy to have this like, um, sort of airing of grievances. Like you said, it's, it's also a chain reaction. We're almost trying to best one another with how horrible things have gone. You know? Yeah. I was in a car accident. Yeah, me too. And I lost a leg. Like, it's like, Whoa, I mean, (laughs) why are we doing this to ourselves? You know? And, but yeah, it is. It's, and I get it. Like, I understand how trauma works and, and clearly you do too. Right. So when people have gone through something traumatic, whether or not they personally would label it that way, their brains are wired in a different way now. And what they're trying to do is, is not only protect themselves from that trauma repeating itself, but they're also trying to protect everyone else around them. And unfortunately that comes with the like dire warnings sometimes, right. Of, oh my goodness, you don't want to not have that epidural because their pain was traumatic to them. Right. And so, you know, maybe we could have avoided that trauma. Yeah. That's the dragging each other down rather than building each other up. So what I hope you're going to find are the people that are really positive and like, oh, I had this great birth story or, oh, I like breastfeed all the time. I can help you with that. Or something that's like, oh yes, I'm like, I've been successful at this thing. Let me boost you up. You know, those two, it's like polar opposites. So yes, I hope your community, I hope 
all women, especially, you know, going through birth and becoming new moms and into their postpartum are finding those communities that just build them up. Cause we all need it. And I, I mean, isn't that the saddest, like some of these moms group, you're like, we're all moms. We're all just trying to figure this out. Like be nice to each other. And so, yeah, it's huge. It's huge. If you can find, cause what, what difference does it make? You know, when you do find those positive people, you like cling onto it and you feel successful as a mom and you feel like you can be a good wife and it just makes all the difference. So it's huge. Oh, it is. That's so well said. You know, I can't think of any better way to prepare for bringing a child into this world other than following that advice. So thank you for that, Stephanie. You're doing such great work in this world. And I love that people do not have to be local to get access to you and everything that you offer. So uh, definitely check out Stephanie's podcast, Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy. Check out her online course. If you're heading into you know a second pregnancy or birth experience or you're thinking about it, um, I know a lot of people, especially these days, it seems definitely I feel like there was a trend to having like one child and now I'm seeing it go the other way and people are having a lot more children, which I think is great. So she's got this incredible course, my essential birth, check that out. I'll have everything linked up in the show notes. Any last words from you, Stephanie, any wisdom you want to impart or anything you want to share, maybe chat about your postpartum course you're working on for just a minute too. Oh, you guys will be the first to hear. It is super secret. Not really. Um, but yeah, we, just like I said, we love to prepare women for birth and now we want to kind of move that into the motherhood side of things. So, um, it'll have a portion on, you know, how to take care of yourself. Those first 24, 48, 72 to the first six weeks, um, what you can expect for your baby. When you take them home, there's a section on baby wearing, um, we might even do a belly binding postpartum thing, nutrition exercise, just kind of all of the, like how we get back into things postpartum, um, will be coming, but overall, I, I love what you do too. I think that breastfeeding is just that next portion of we're becoming, we're being birthed as ourselves into being a mother. And this is kind of like that next flow. Okay. How are we going to feed and love on and protect and take care of this baby? So no, I'm just really grateful to be here. I'm I'm grateful to speak with your audience and grateful to chat with you and, and have our relationship. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing everything you have. It's just great to have these conversations around this time in our lives as mothers, and it just deepens that understanding. So it's been a pleasure. Yeah, same. Thank you. Did you know most moms stop breastfeeding in the first month postpartum? I believe succeeding at breastfeeding means having the right mindset. In fact, studies show that the number one factor that determines breastfeeding success is commitment, which is why I've created my incredible audio download of breastfeeding affirmations, where I give you actionable mantras so you can breastfeed your baby with confidence and peace of mind. And best of all, it's free. To get access to this audio and PDF, simply visit holisticlactation.com slash mantras, and you can get started right now.